When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Ahsoka is finally upon us. That's right. They have finally unleashed the first two episodes of the latest Star Wars series onto the public. And we are here to break it all down. Some new villains, a tribute to one of the cast members, and a few big surprises. Plenty for us to get into with what we saw on the screen. But that's not all, because we also have an exclusive audiobook excerpt from the latest Star Wars book, A Certain Point of View, Return of the Jedi, and that aforementioned excerpt features none other than Park and Recreation's Adam Scott as a cranky stormtrooper, so you do not want to miss that one. It's all coming up right here, right now, on the Dagobah Dispatch. I am Ghost Crew stowaway Dalton Ross, here with my podcasting partner in crime, Devin Kogan. How are you living, Devin? Hello, hello. I am excited to get into all things Ahsoka. It, we we have a lot to talk about this week. Yeah, it's fun because we have not talked about it. Uh, we we both watched it. We retreated to our own little corners of the galaxy and watched <laughs> the show. There was like a little bit of texting with Lauren Morgan going on because you know that Lauren Morgan, she can't contain herself. She's like <laughs> popping off about everything. She has thoughts. <laughs> yeah, she certainly does. So there's just very small, but we really didn't get into any opinions about it or anything. So we're going to get into all that in just a second. Excited to do it. And then we'll have that exclusive uh, audiobook excerpt, Adam Scott from Severance and Park and Recreation, uh, playing a cranky stormtrooper. It's pretty cool. And you can only uh, hear it here until it comes out. And then you can go buy it and listen to it all you want. Um, real quickly, before we get going, uh, some some house cleaning items. Uh we got a nice review, Devin, that I wanted to read. Yeah. We always ask people, listen, we're still trying to overcome the previous show whose who's feed we uh, inherited. And they, they got like they got like review bombed by like Witcher fans that were mad at one of those hosts. Uh, <laughs> so we're still trying to overcome it. So we appreciate the, the ratings and reviews that you guys when you do take the time to do it. And uh, so we're going to give a shout out to uh, CH757, if that is his or her real name. Um, wrote us a really nice review, said, totally one with the force. I discovered this podcast about a month ago, and since then I've listened to all the back episodes. That's a lot. Uh, I love the back and forth banter and the interviews. Their in-depth episode recaps of last year's releases has gotten me excited all over again, and I've watched everything. Keep up the great work, and may the force be with you. Well, that's that's a good time because now we're going to get into more recaps now with Ahsoka. Like, it's a recap time for the next, you know, uh, seven weeks. It's true. I mean, as much as I love arguing about, you know, costumes and and you know, just arguing about stuff that that we make up, it is always fun when there's like a brand new episode to break down and and you know, talk about everything. If you want to weigh in, because we do want to hear your thoughts, and we'd love to include you guys in the show. Uh, so, any thoughts you have on Ahsoka? When we're done talking about Ahsoka, before we get to that Adam Scott uh, excerpt, we'll give you a, a phone number, and you can call in and you can leave a message, and we'll play it on the pod, and we'll react if you have a question or a comment. Um, we'll put it on the pod. So very, very cool. 
So a chance for you to do that. Uh, you also can interact with us, I always say, on uh, Spotify if you listen there because we put polls up there. And so if you go to the exact, the, the latest episode, you can vote on a poll and then we'll say the results. And last week's poll was, in which movie does Anakin have the best hair? Right? <laughs> like we drew the really, the really intense question and answers here on this podcast. Uh, and so the results are in. Overwhelming result. Uh, the correct result, Devin Kogan, 88% of respondents said Anakin has the best hair in Revenge of the Sith. That is objectively the correct answer. Yeah. Good job, everyone. You passed the test. Uh, 8% said Phantom Menace. And I give a shout out to the bowl cut. I, th- I think that's a yeah. strong look. I think it looks <laughs> a good look. And then only 4% said Attack of the Clones. I guess they feel the same way that Devin does about the little Padawan braid. It's just, I, I can't, I, I'm not here for the rat tail. I'm sorry. I still think if we ever do this, like we do, should do this poll with Obi-Wan at some point. Because I do think Obi-Wan's best hair is with the braid in Phantom Menace. And you are objectively insane. Well, which one would you pick? You pick the, the Jedi mullet? I would probably pick the Jedi mullet. You're crazy. You're a crazy the beard. Right the now. beard is great. He's just, Obi-Wan with the beard is, I like honestly, the beard. I'm here for Obi-Wan Kenobi TV show, Obi-Wan. That's, that's a good yes, look too. Yes, that is, that is his best hair. You're right. I think that, so. that is his best yeah. hair is the TV show. It's pretty good. Just um, all you have to do his his shampoo routine is to just not shower because he's on Tatooine. Yeah, just whatever, whatever you know. Just he, what's what's that meme? His this man got a hundred percent hotter when his life fell apart, and it's accurate. And yet he's more grizzled. He's a, he's a little more grizzled. We love grizzled. He wears it well. Uh, as 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 we get into a to talk about the Ahsoka first two episodes, which just premiered on on the Disney Plus, I think Lauren Morgan's probably mad at me now. Um, because I sent pictures to you all that I got some Ahsoka care package. Yes. With like, and if she immediately texts back, I just sent her the box. She's like, "What's in it?" <laughs> 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 and like, it's like a million Ahsoka toys. Like, uh, I put up on my Instagram story a picture of me wearing the tails, and just I look ridiculous. The tails are pretty good. I think your Halloween costume is sorted. What's well, weird? You're be- good to go because the tail. It's also got. I don't know if you can see in the photo. But it also has Mickey Mouse ears on it, or maybe Minnie Mouse. Uh, I have no idea. So I don't know why they're combining mouse ears with uh, with the tails, but they are. Anyway, there's tons of toys in there. It's so I didn't have time. I was leaving for work. I didn't really get a chance. A train to make. Didn't really get a chance to go through it so much. So maybe I'll I'll like sort of poke the rat in the cage and send like Lauren pictures of every individual item. <laughs> She'll be thrilled. Oh, I love it. All right. All right. Let's get into this. This is enough of this nonsense. Let's talk Ahsoka. We've been doing so much build up to this. We've had all the cast on. Um, we've had Rosario Dawson on multiple times on our podcast talking about this. And now we finally have the show. We have the first two episodes we're going to dive in deep to a, sort of certain aspects of it and get into it. But let's just start, I guess, big picture, Devin. What'd you think? I really love these two episodes. I, you know, I, there's a lot to talk about here. I was worried that it was going to be just a lot of scene setting. Um, you know, basically, who is who are all these characters? Who is Hera? Who is Sabine? Who is Chopper? All of these things. And instead, we got two really solid kind of action-packed episodes that I was really here for. Um, you know, we've obviously seen Rosario Dawson's um, take on Ahsoka before in The Mandalorian, The Book of Boba Fett, but this is kind of the first time we've really gotten to 
kind of focus on her and center on her. And I really, really love her performance. I mean, from the moment she's on screen, it's like, oh, that's Ahsoka. That is the character I've watched through, you know, several, uh, more than a decade of the Clone Wars and Rebels. And I, I'm really, really charmed by this show so far. Um, I think it does a really, even from the first couple frames, I think one of the things, first, one of the few things you and I have actually talked about um, is the fact that it starts with a crawl, which is something we have not really seen in live action television Star Wars before. It's a it's a different crawl. It's red instead of yellow. It's like sort of like a flat as opposed to like the iconic, you know, disappearing at an angle into space. But I think I think it was really smart to start with that because I think it does a good job of sort of, you know, introducing it's a good scene setter. It it basically does a job of saying, you know, the Empire has fallen, the new republic is in place, but uh this there's this guy, Grand Admiral Thrawn, um, who's in exile and we're trying to hunt him down. I think it does a really good job of sort of setting the scene um without kind of spinning its wheels. You know what I mean? I mean, this is something I know stood out to you. What did you make of the the return of the crawl? Well, I was confused. Uh, I was confused <laughs> because, uh, you know, I broke a little news coming out of celebration when I spoke down with Kathleen Kennedy and I specifically asked her about the Ray film. And I said, you know, since she, I know that the crawl is reserved for Skywalker saga stories, since she is a Skywalker, I'm kind of, she, right, took on the name, was kind of the adoptive name. Um, will there be a crawl? She says, yes. And I go, okay, so just for that movie and all the movies, she goes, the crawl is for movies. So what that to me meant was that differentiates the, the, the streaming shows from the movies. We're going to use the crawl for movies and we're not going to use it for the, the shows. And then here's the crawl. And like you said, it's different. It's kind of like, you know, it's red, it's not yellow. It's not fading to the black back of the screen. It's going straight up, but it is a crawl. And so that made me think like, did she not count that? Cause it looks a little different. Um, did they like, did they put the crawl in kind of like, you know, after the fact, kind of like the way some movies, you know, use a narrator, like a voiceover narration. And a lot of times that's actually was not originally part of the movie. And then they watch the movie and they realize, you know, it, like Blade Runner was not supposed to have a, a narration. Yep. Was, was that the situation? Was it put in later or did she forget or had they not decided yet? I find that hard to believe. Or so, maybe she lied to you to keep it secret. Right. Well, maybe. So, I mean, I liked The Crawl. But I was confused because Kathleen Kennedy had told me that they were only going to use the crawl for movies. So that said, I thought it was cool. I, it, it gave that old school Star Wars feel. And then it goes sort of like the Republic transport goes over the screen and you see that. It's got like the random capitalized letters in the crawl, which I was very dramatic. So I thought I thought it was I thought it was I thought I liked it. So I was confused about that. And then I was confused about. I realize that I'm jumping now to the very end of episode two, but I guess we're going to hop around a little bit. But something that you, Lauren Morgan, and I were texting about, which was the timing. Because I always assumed, again, this is not a complaint. I like it. I was just confused by it. I always just kind of assumed, so this is on me, that this was picking up after Rebels. And when I say after Rebels, I mean after the coda scene of Rebels. Rebels ends and it jumps ahead for one final scene where... Sabine is narrating. She's saying what happened to everyone. And Hera led the team at, you know, the battle of, uh, you know, Endor and, and um, had a baby and this happened here and this happened there. And then it ends with her saying that she's going to be on this mission to go find Ezra. And she's sitting in front of the mural and she turns around and Ahsoka's there and they're going to go find Ezra. That was the final scene of episode two of Ahsoka. Like essentially it's the exact same scene, which makes you realize everything we just saw on the show in these first two episodes happens it's seemingly 
before that coda scene that ends episode two, Devin, which I thought found very interesting. Yeah, I'm curious to see kind of how that shakes out, you know, throughout the rest of the season, like, uh, whether we get a little bit more clarity on sort of like that, whether it's like, I, I wasn't sure whether that was taken as supposed to be like, this is a shot for shot remake of a scene we've already seen versus a scene we've already seen um, <laughs> versus like, this is just a live action retelling of a, a scene we already did, but this is sort of a new version of it. You know what I mean? Mm, yeah. I, I wasn't quite sure if that was how that was supposed to be taken. Um, that was something that also kind of, you know, made me go, huh, I, I wonder, I, I feel like it's a little too soon to make a judgment call on that a hundred percent, but um, I'm curious to see kind of how that shakes out. Yeah. It's, 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 you know, so because of the, the strike and everything and, and uh, you know, the various strikes, it's, we can't just get Dave Filoni on the phone to talk about right. this. You know what I mean? Not that I have Dave Filoni on speed dial. I don't want to make that seem <laughs> like I just like I'm, I'm like texting with a, hey, DF, like what's the deal? But, you know, hopefully we could have gotten some answers on that. But, I, I you know, I, I I am assuming those those scenes line up. And I agree. It's not exactly necessarily, but it, it's so close. It's in the exact same spot. It's the same feel. I think it's the same essential scene. Um, I generally really liked the show too. And what I would be curious about, and again, we're going to give you a number. You can call and leave this message and we'll put you on the, we'll put you on the podcast. If you weren't someone that watched rebels and you watched this show, what did you think about? Was it too much? And when I say too much, I mean too many characters. You didn't really know who they were, you know, with Hera and Sabine and this, they keep talking about this Ezra guy and she's watching this hologram of this Ezra guy. They keep mentioning Thrawn. Who's Thrawn? Why is he such a big deal? You know, I, it may, I, I'm curious what it's like for someone that doesn't have the background that we have having watched all of, of Rebels. For you and me, the second Hera walks on screen, we're like, Hera, you know, we love Hera. <laughs> right. And Mary Elizabeth Winstead. We love Mary Elizabeth Winstead. This is great. But maybe that's not the reaction everyone had. I, I, I did have one big qualm. Uh, which I'll get to and that you might be able to guess and a smaller sort of qualm about the first two episodes and maybe the series as a whole. But generally I feel the same as you, Devin. I really liked it. thought we got some great action scenes. Um, I, I really liked the villains, right? Like we, we've seen Balon and Shin um, in a lot of the trailer already and Balon narrated one of the trailer. Um, I thought, I guess we can go talk about some of these villains. I, I thought Balon was just, Awesome, and obviously it's bittersweet because Ray Stevenson passed, and and they paid tribute to Ray Stevenson at the end of the first episode with a little note on screen that said for our friend Ray, and and um, I saw them all cast interacting at Star Wars Celebration, and then Devin spoke to the cast after Ray had passed and got their thoughts on their their co-star, which were just heartbreaking to read, by the way. And um, but he's so good, and what I love about this character is that you really do see two sides of him, right? Like you see this first, very first scene where he lands and they're trying to get on the ship and they're trying to, uh, you know, rescue Morgan Elsbeth. And we'll talk about her in a second, Devin. But he kind of, like, he doesn't just come out with his lightsaber up, like slashing and dashing and slicing and dicing everyone. He tries to just go get her, get in and get out. And this sort of cocky captain sort of stops him and says, I'm bluffing, you're bluffing. And Balin just says to him, you're making a mistake. Like not super regretful, but just kind of like, I tried to get in here and out of here, but all right, we're going to do this. And then just mercilessly just stabs this guy in the chest and they're just killing everyone. Right. So you see that scene then cut to like the end of episode two and they're talking about Ahsoka and he's got to take on Ahsoka. And he says something to the effect of, 
uh, it's it's such a shame to have to you know kill a Jedi. To kill her would be a shame. He says there's so few Jedi left. And I remember Devin Ray Stevenson saying this to me when I asked him about his character. He goes, he doesn't just want to go out and just like kill and destroy everyone. But if you get in his way and stop him what for what he is supposed to do, he'll take you down. And that's what I saw in from him in this episode as a mercenary, not as a Sith, seemingly, but as a mercenary, a dark side mercenary. I thought he was great. I thought he was fantastic. I think to me, he was one of the most standout performances in both episodes. And I think for exactly that reason you talked about, you can tell that this is somebody who has Jedi training. He has an incredible amount of respect for the Force. He has an incredible amount of respect for other Force users. I mean, even the way he like handles that first boarding is he doesn't, like you said, he doesn't come in slashing and burning. I think a lot of the kind of Sith Lords we see specifically in the film, there's like an element of chaos and like unrestraint. Whereas him, he's extremely restrained. He's very much like, I'm here to do a job. Like, you know, it, it but he sort of like respects the rules and decorum in a way that, you know, some Sith Lords may not necessarily. And I think it's a very interesting kind of, uh, it's just, I really loved his performance and I love his relationship um, with Shin Hadi, who yes. plays his apprentice or, or Ivana Sakno, who plays his uh, apprentice. Um, and speaking of, she's got the little braid. I mean, it's it's there. I don't know if you noticed it, but she's got the little braid. And I was like, oh, and yet this you is, like you the know. character. <laughs> well, yeah, because it's not like a weird rap tail with a with a shaved head. It's like tastefully done. We love a tasteful Padawan braid. Um, but no, I really loved their relationship between the two of them. You can tell that Shin is still very green, yes. has a lot of questions, um, but is incredibly powerful and talented. Um, so I'm really curious to kind of see what their relationship looks like going forward, kind of how they interact with some of the others. But I, I think, yeah, to me, the dark side characters in these first two episodes were the most engaging to me because I think a lot of, you know, it's like, this is who Sabine is and this is who Hera is. And, and if you've watched Rebels, you're well aware. Whereas these these dark side characters are very intriguing. And I think nobody really knows kind of who they are and and what they're up to. So I think it's, it's a really interesting thing. And I love that moment at the end that you pointed out where he talks about, like, it would be a shame to kill Ahsoka. And and you can tell that he's someone who has a tremendous re- amount of respect for like sort of Jedi traditions and, you know, the force, um, even though he has chosen to become this mercenary. So I'm very, very excited to see kind of what the rest of the season looks like and where those two characters go specifically. Yeah. And you're right. Ivana Sakno is so good. I love the way, and we saw this in the trailer, here too, like, and then then obviously the the battle she has with Sabine, which we can talk about a little later. But I I love the way she moves and and the way yeah. her like her eyes and her face when she moves, like just like it's it's just so like it's like she's like like a big game cat stalking her prey. The way she just like the intensity on her face, almost expressionless intensity, if that makes any sense. And just her physical movements are so great. And so I was, you know, you so, so, saw so much of Balin and Shin in the trailer and we kind of knew or thought they'd be great and they are great. And then we got this, some dude named Maroc, who's also really cool. I don't know who this guy yeah. was. And he's just, he doesn't, there's not even an actor. It's credited to a performance artist. So I don't know how long Maroc is for this world, but like, you know, I don't think he's going to be a huge part of the, of the show, but like has a great fight scene with, uh, with Rosario Dawson, I thought. So here's my thought. My my first thought is whenever you get a cryptic character who doesn't speak and you don't see his face, 
I'm curious if there's going to be a reveal. Yeah. If he's going to be, if he's going to eventually take off the mask and be someone we know or someone interesting. Um, because I think ever from the moment that guy shows up on screen, it's like there's a big flashing neon red light above his head saying, I'm interesting and I'm a mystery and we'll see what happens. <laughs> so immediately my first thought is, okay, is this someone we know? And I have a theory. I don't know if I'm ready Hit to it. share this Dude, theory. Share yet. it, share it, go. I'm like, okay, we're searching for Ezra. What if it's Ezra? I don't think it's Ezra, but it's that's my theory. Um, this idea of like, hey, we're searching for this person and we can't find him. Um, he's disappeared somewhere with Thrawn. And hey, there's this, you know, incredibly trained, incredibly talented, you know, force user. So uh, it's interesting. It, it it would be a shock. So if it is Ezra, and we're not, but we're not saying it is. Devin just saying, yeah, it's an interesting. This is thought. me. Could this be. this, yeah. is, com- this yeah. is based in absolutely no fact. Totally. This could turn out to be absolute nonsense. But let's go down that road for a second. If it is, do you think it's a situation where he's turned to the dark side, where Thrawn or someone else has turned him, or is he like undercover? Right? Like, is he just kind of undercover? I don't know. I don't know. I I'm I I don't know. I I would I think it would raise more questions than I would raise so many questions if if it turned out to be but I and it could not be Ezra. It could be he could just be like a normal uh, just a faceless dude who just gets chopped in half eventually and we never yeah. see him again. Oh. Um or it could be a different kind of reveal, something that I haven't thought of. But my first thought is like, hey, we have a, a character who's missing. And hey, we have this like weird faceless character that like nobody knows his identity. Mm. Maybe? Yeah, no, I, I, I like I like where you're going with that. It's, it is interesting because it like he doesn't speak, we don't see his face. What's the reason for that? Yeah. Uh, while we're talking about villains, I mentioned I was confused by a, a few things, and um, which brings us to Morgan Elsbeth. Because you listen, correct me if I'm wrong, if I've sort of missed some like weird expanded universe comic that like you know explored this that somehow I just didn't pick up on, but. I don't think we knew ever knew that Morgan Elsbeth was a night sister of Dathomir. I don't think that that was like ever touched on in her Mandalorian appearance. Yet somehow she is, as Shin calls her, a witch and a night sister of Dathomir who has like I guess mystic powers or something. I don't know. Like that sort of struck me as a little weird. And now all of a sudden she's dressing like a night sister, which she kind of wasn't before. Maybe she was wearing red in that Mandalorian thing, but like. I was surprised and confused by that, Devin. Yeah, this is something that was new to me too. And I remember I spoke to to Diana Lee Inosanto, um, who's incredible in the role. And she talked about the when she made her first appearance in The Mandalorian. It was the very first episode where we met Ahsoka, um, where you know Ahsoka has hunted down this this magistrate for for answers to Thrawn. And at the time, the character didn't even have a name. She didn't even. She was just the magistrate. And Diana talked about how excited she was to get brought back. And she's like, Oh my god, I actually finally get to learn this this character's name. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm curious whether that is something that came into play sort of later as they were um, sort of fleshing this character out for Ahsoka or whether that's something that, um, you know, has had sort of been the intention from the beginning, because this was also new to me. Let's talk a little bit about that scene um, where, you know, Ahsoka is basically hunting for answers to Thrawn and is searching for, this is Star Wars, we always got to be searching for a map. We, we are always looking for a map. <laughs> right. Everybody's always looking for a map. <laughs> totally. And so uh, this time uh, she goes to this temple that was built um, by the Night Sisters of Dathomir and 
I really, really liked this this scene. I thought this was a great long moments of silence, which is something you don't always get in a Star Wars series. Um, I love everything that Rosario Dawson did, sort of just like exploring this temple and sort of figuring out how everything works and, you know, using the lightsabers to like using the force to use the lightsabers to cut a hole in the floor. That was so cool, Devin. That was was honestly the coolest thing in the entire episode. For those, for some reason, if you don't, if you didn't catch it, instead of like, imagine her holding lightsabers and spinning around and like slicing floor out. She does that, but she doesn't hold the lightsaber. She just kind of force pushes them down and then like has, oh, it looks so cool. It so it's cool. incredible. It's it's one of my favorite moments. And it's like, those are the kinds of things that um, I remember when I spoke to Rosario, she talked about how, you know, in the in the Clone Wars and in Rebels, this is a character who is not bound by the laws of gravity. You know, this is an animated character. She can do crazy things, with lightsabers and, and backflips and all sorts of crazy things. And Rosario talked about basically being like, oh, I have to play that character and sort of, you know, but I'm I'm constrained to the laws of gravity and the laws of, of actual physics. Um, and so that was one of those cool moments where I was like, that is something that like comes straight out of the animated, you know, series where like the, the kind of cool imaginative things like what if, but it brought into live, live action. So I really love that moment. Um, so and I love once, you know, these these sort of mercenaries show up looking for her, there's a great fight um, against her and some droids. And we really get to see how talented she is and how you know what a what an incredible warrior she is we got to see a little bit of that in her first appearance in the mandalorian where she fought against morgan elsbeth but this is where you really get to see ahsoka just show off everything she knows and everything she can do and it, it was just a really fun scene i had i had a lot of fun with that so i did as well i i you and i are a sucker for a great lightsaber battle and we, we love a, a lightsaber yeah battle. we do we do uh call us simple but we do and and there were there were a few of them in in these two episodes the only thing about this scene that is nice, remember I said a big qualm and a small qualm. Really enjoyed the first two okay. episodes. So much fun watching them. Um, but I, this was my small qualm, was that was something in this scene. And it's basically just, I guess, the CGI world, Devin. I don't know if I can put it into better mm. words than that, but when she was walking up past the, there's like a, some aerial shots where she's, the, at the very beginning of the scene, where she's walking towards the middle and the center to look at the, and it just it just looks so fake. You know what I mean? Like, mm. and I, I realize I'm making myself sound a million years old, but like, I'm one of those people that's just like, I, I prefer it to look more practical and maybe not as grand and not have these giant columns falling down. Like, and maybe just have a more natural, like the original trilogy sort of a uh, landscape because on one hand it looked cool and it gave you the sense of this, like, you know, abandoned, like cat, like, uh, you know, temple. But on the other hand, there were just some shots that were just like, Oh, just like, I can see the fakeness on this, column that's fallen down i can see just this doesn't look like an organic real environment i feel like i'm in the volume you know so we talked about this how like andor really wanted to have things be much more practical not to say andor didn't use any special effects but it really felt like a more lived in world a more lived in place right ferrix felt like an actual place in some of these other locations this never felt real to me i agree with everything you said i love the silence of it i love how long the scene took i love the the fight scenes I just didn't love the 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 CGI environment around it all. I think you are 100% correct and I have the exact same reaction. Um I have gone on record many many times as being a huge fan of um location shooting and I think that is a huge 
part of why people really connected with Andor is because the location shooting looks so much better because, I mean, the volume and the ILM stagecraft technology is extraordinary. And it is a huge step forward in, in filmmaking, specifically like on a TV scale where, you know, you have multiple hours of television across, you know, multiple different planets. And it allows you to, you know, do incredible things in a, in a way more compressed period of time. It, it is so helpful to the actors. All the actors we talk about talk about how much they love it. It's so much better than filming against a blue screen because um, you can actually look out and see Tatooine or whatever. But there's something about it that I think you just, it's it makes things look a little bit flat. Sometimes it, it looks like you're watching a play in like a proscenium where it's like, okay, you've got the actors on stage and the da- backdrop behind them, as opposed to one of the best things about filmmaking is watching the camera move and having the camera move to different angles and and go, you know, show different sides of this, this incredible location that we're on, as opposed to when you're filming with the volume and the stagecraft technology, it sort of limits you to, you know, person standing against screen. Um, And I think you're right. I think there's something that even though we visited, gosh, like, four or five planets in these in these first two episodes, not to mention, you know, a dozen ships and all sorts of different locations. But there wasn't really a location that made me sort of go, wow, and, and you know, have your jaw dropped. And I think one of my favorite things about Star Wars has always been the world building and the locations. Um, and I think that's something I've been missing a lot from the live action shows is because I feel like we, for one, we keep going back to Tatooine, which I hope the show never goes back to Tatooine. <laughs> but um, also, I'm I'm really hopeful that we get to see some like incredible, like shooting on location stuff, because I think I really do think it makes a difference. And that that has also been one of my biggest qualms with with this show so far. But it's not limited to Ahsoka. It's the same as, yeah. as Mandalorian and Book of Boba Fett and, and pretty much all of them except for Andor. All right. Should, should we get to my big qualm? Again, I really enjoyed yeah, these two me. episodes. What's your, what's your big qualm? Uh, this is my big, my, my only big issue. I, I really had a good time. And that's what ultimately you want to have when you watch Star Wars is just having a good time. And I really did. But this is, I'm surprised you didn't, knowing me, this didn't already like register, like that this was going to drive me absolutely crazy. And again, huge spoiler alert coming. So if you haven't watched these episodes, (laughs) you might want to turn off now. But you have Sabine getting stabbed through the chest with a lightsaber (laughs) by Shin at the end of episode one. It's literally goes all the way through her right in the middle of her chest. And then Devin at the start of episode two, she's basically fine. She wakes up in a space hospital. There's like a little scar tissue. She's okay. And next thing we know, she's back suited up, ready to go, cuts her hair off, ready to go. I'm like, what is happening? Back to can only do so much. And it's just like, why do that? Like, again, it's just like, I, I just don't like that. Then there's no consequences. And we talk about Darth Maul a lot and like being mm-hmm. literally sliced into there apparently are no consequences to being like sliced or stabbed with a lightsaber. Why did Qui-Gon die when he got a lightsaber through his belly? Why is Sabine absolutely fine? Uh, yeah, that was like 30 years ago. I they know, didn't have the technology. To- <laughs> but like, you know what I mean? Like that, that really bummed me out. Cause at the second, and also Devin also, I mean, maybe this is just cause we've watched rebels and maybe if you have, but like, did you think for even a millisecond that she was going to be dead when that happened? Oh, absolutely not. Mostly because we've seen her in the trailer with her short hair. Right. Um, yeah. So we we knew for a fact that she was going to survive. I mean, that would have been extremely bold if they were like, so we're bringing Sabine into live action. Just kidding. We killed her in episode one. Uh, yeah. um, and also shot like <laughs> stuff with her as short hair to make you think she was going to stay alive, but right, she's actually exactly. dead. 
no, there was, there's no way they're going to, you know, Sabine is essentially the second lead of the show. There's, there's zero chance they were going to kill her off. Yeah. That bummed me out a little bit. I wish they, I had the same reaction as you. I kind of wish it was like, she got grazed by a lightsaber or like, I don't know, like, uh, so, something like that, as opposed to like a full stab wound. Yeah, just be bested. She, she gets bested by Shin, and then later they'll get to have a rematch, right? Like, that's. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, like, we've seen a lot of, you know, lightsaber fights that don't end with somebody getting stabbed, but clearly there's a winner. Um, you know, so that was something that did make me laugh a little bit. Like, yes, I get it. She's on a very developed planet. They probably have incredible medical systems. But, um, this from I don't have a lot of faith in the Star Wars medical system. You've heard my rants yeah, many yeah, times before yeah. about you lost know the will to uh, live. lost the will to live. <laughs> like I honestly, that's that's my pitch for the next live action Disney Plus Star Wars show is give me Grey's Anatomy in the Star Wars universe, just just with like a bunch of nurses and doctors and droids like solving weird you know medical mysteries from around the galaxy like i would watch that do you think that's that, what that the, the, like the medical droids that's the first like level they checked when they got to being like well let me just check her will to live before <laughs> will i go any live. further let me just make sure she has that because if she doesn't it's game over like she can't right, exactly oh it's like oh good she's got the will to live so we can 100 percent solve Woo. this in, this nope. gaping stab wound no back to needed stomach. none needed it's just like i don't understand what the point of those it's also so weird because We've said a few times, like I've always thought it's so weird when, uh, you know, Obi-Wan's only six episodes and they had two air the first week. This has eight, I believe. So like why burn off and air two in one week? I understand why they did it with Obi-Wan because if you watch Obi-Wan, that first episode, like it really didn't go anywhere. Like you needed it's to him really- cutting up whale carcass right. meat for, you know, a good 30 minutes. Right. And by the end of episode two, he's literally at least like getting on a ship to leave. So like, okay, yeah. fine. You, you need to air those two together. We talked about out and or I think they aired three together, which you needed yes. to do. You absolutely needed to do that. Strategically, just kind of where that, that ended, you needed to suck people in by showing those first three. Um, I felt like they could have ended this on one. I'm glad they didn't because then with like the fake, quote unquote, fake death would have been annoying. But to your point, if they had just ended it with her being bested, I feel like you could have ended it on at episode one and then just had episode two air the next week. Like it was so yeah. good. The episode was so good and so much happened in that episode that you didn't need to do two in the first week, I don't feel. Yeah. I mean, I'm glad they did too because I think it sort of, you know – I mean, I get it sort of makes sense because, you know, the central premise of this show from from what we've learned is basically, you know, Ahsoka and Sabine searching for Ezra. And at the end of episode two, they're on their mission. They are together. They're going to go search for Ezra. So I, I get what they mean. Like, maybe they were like, all right, let's just get to that point And that'll be like our, our first first premiere episode. But I do I do think you're right. I think do think they could have stopped after one. Um, but again, everybody knows Sabine isn't dead. So I don't right. think it would have been the big cliffhanger that, you know, it, it just wouldn't have worked. Right. It, um, it wouldn't have worked with her being stabbed. Like you would no. have had to have her, to your suggestion, just be bested in some other way. Exactly. Um, we, we haven't really talked about just the entire, the other kind of surprise that Sabine seemingly is force sensitive, I guess. I mean, we saw her do some lightsaber training on Rebels with Ezra. And, but now she's clearly, she's called Padawan. Like, you know, it's a master apprentice. An apprentice was the name of the episode. Um, Hu Yang makes, Hu Yang makes a comment that, her aptitude with the force falls short of all the Padawans he knew. So they're they're saying she's not some Luke Skywalker, you know, Ray, sort of insanely powerful with the force. But they have kind of led you to believe, which they never really got into in Rebels, that she has force power. Yeah, I'm curious. Yeah, I be that that was something that also sort of confused me a little bit because I was a little bit like, uh, 
I thought maybe we'd see a moment this in these two episodes of her showing some sort of force sensitivity. Um, we didn't really see that. Obviously, she's an incredible warrior, knows how to wield a blade. She's wielded the dark saber before, so I, I think it, you know, um, it made sense that she could at least hold her own against Shin, who is a, a, a very young apprentice, but you know has you know force sensitive training um, and knows her way around a red lightsaber. Um, but yeah, this is something I'm curious to see, kind of how they explore this going forward, and whether it's a, it's a question of. Um, whether it's a question of of Sabine being like following the true path of a Jedi and being fully force sensitive and tapping into the force or whether she's something kind of new, like sort of not a hundred percent force sensitive, but sort of trained in the ways of the Jedi is sort of, you know, the way Ahsoka walked away from the Jedi order and has sort of forged her own path. Although obviously Ahsoka is incredibly force sensitive is incredibly in tune with the force. So I'm, I'm sort of curious where that storyline's going and whether I wonder if that'll be sort of like a a tension point throughout the season is, you know, Sabine wanting to go on this journey and wanting to train, but just struggling to connect to the force and struggling to connect to the force. And I wonder if we're going to get that moment where she connects to the force and it like all clicks into place. Um, so I don't know. I, I, I don't quite know. Um, you talked about qualms and things that, that drove you nuts. I have one very small Ooh. nitpicky qualm that drove me nuts Let's throughout go. these first two episodes. Look, you know I love my girl Hera. We talked about this two episodes ago when Lauren Morgan stopped by, probably my favorite member of the ghost crew. Incredible. Yep. Don't love the contact lenses on Mary Elizabeth. You and Winstead. Lauren Morgan are have some issue with the contact lenses. What is it? They just they look really weird. It's like, you know what? Have you ever seen like a husky that has like really icy blue eyes? I'm a cat guy, um, you know that. I know, but like you've seen a dog that has like really, really blue eyes. I try not to look eyes. at them. I don't look at their eyes. I don't look at their like, eyes. This is a betrayal to my cat. Yep, that's right. Um, but that's just like what I the, – the vibe I got. It just – it doesn't quite 100% click for me. Um, just something something about it just didn't look 100% on for me. And look, again, I'm a huge fan. I want practical effects. I want makeup. I want weird prosthetic um, head tails. So um, – but they're, I just, they're just a little – little too like aquamarine colored when I, I think they could have gone with maybe a little that with the green is, is a little bit intense, but that I'm curious whether I'm the only one who that bothered. I, me. Well, well it's, it is curious and I'd love for people to, once we give you this phone number out, you can, um, you know, uh, call in and leave a message. How you feel about Hera's eyes because Lauren Morgan made a big stink about it. Our former co-host when the sort of the trailer first started and photos were sort of about her eyes. So I actually paid close attention to them while watching. I'm like, I don't see what the big issue is. She looks great to me. I mean, like she looks fine. I don't, I don't have a problem with it. And then here's, uh, here's Devin Kogan coming on saying that she also had an issue with the eyes. So maybe, maybe there is a problem with the eyes that I'm just not a, not aware of, but. I mean, look, I love Mary Elizabeth Winstead. Yeah, I thought she's great in the role. her performance. Um, I'm really excited to see her do more. Um, we can't let this episode end without talking about um, everyone's favorite tiny war criminal, Chopper. Uh, <laughs> great in live action. Incredible. Yeah. Um, the funny thing I'm about Chopper is you, you can make out what he's saying. It's the same on Rebels. If you, it's yeah. Dave Filoni does the voice. I'm assuming he did the voice here. He did the voice on the, yeah. on the, uh, on the show. And he's directing the damn show. But um, it, you can hear like... It, it's he's he's responding in like robot English, like you can kind yeah. of make it out if you really listen. Uh, it's what, a, it's a little more easy to understand than just beeps and boops, right? Um, right yeah. But yeah, no, I love the back and forth between him and Hera. I he looks great in live action. I'm obsessed with Chopper. Also, I didn't realize how much Hu Yang was going to be a huge part of this show. Yeah. Um, I 
don't know if you know about this me about me, but David Tennant is one of my favorite actors of all time, and I am fully in the middle of a full blown David Tennant obsession that I have not had since I was in college. Between he's incredible on Good Omens, uh, which mm-hmm. just aired on Amazon Prime. Mm-hmm. Um, he's coming back as the Doctor in Doctor mm-hmm. Who for the 60th anniversary this fall. Um, it is it's hot David Tennant summer, man. Right, right, it's uh, David Tennant everywhere. Rank your top three David Tennant roles for me. Start well, three and then what? go to one. Yeah. Yeah, you okay. can only do three. <sighs> Give me a minute. I mean, you got some broad church in there. You got Harry Potter. I know. I'm going to go with some some deep cuts, uh, okay. which is just to prove how annoying I am. Yep. Um, number three is he did an incredible performance of Much Ado About Nothing with Catherine Tate, which is my favorite Shakespeare play of all time. No, that it's was annoying. Up- You're right. I told you it was going to be really <laughs> annoying. <laughs> Look, I'm a David Tennant full-blown fangirl. Um, it's, yeah, it's incredible. I highly recommend it. Uh, number two is I really love him in the uh, remake of Fright Night with Colin Farrell and Anton Yelchin, where he plays like basically like Chris Angel as a vampire hunter. How, it's, it is- how amazing is it they remade Fright Night? Can we just talk about that for a second? <laughs> like, like, who is asking for a remake of Fright Night? Like, I saw Fright Night in theaters the first one, so I'm here for it. But like, here's the thing it's not a bad remake. Remake. I actually really like that movie. I went to see it in theaters with my mom, and it was—it's great. Um, Anton Yelchin is fantastic in it. Uh, the late Anton Yelchin. Um, and number one, I mean, I got to go with Doctor Who. I mean, I'm—he's my favorite Doctor on. Uh, and even though I, I I love Doctor Who, um, I don't know if you know this about me. I'm a I, I'm a huge hardcore Doctor Who fan. In addition to being a Star Wars fan and a Lord of the Rings fan, and just a general. Any All sort of genre, nerd. right? Yeah, franchise. Uh, you and Clark Hollis. I, I, so I have a picture of me and David Tennant. He came on my radio show. And unfortunately, I think what he came on for was maybe his worst project, which was that show Camping. Did you ever see that show Camping? I did see that show yeah, Camping. Yeah, yeah. Not, not his fault. Good. Not his fault. No. Just, the show didn't work. I think that's what he came in for. Yeah. Uh, he's um, Listen, he is great. And, and Hu Yang is a big part of this show. I mean, uh, to, to your point. Hey, also, uh, uh, as we gave the shout out to Chopper, I want to give a shout out to uh, St. Albans High School alum, uh, my former school, Clancy Brown, as yeah. well as back playing Ryder, who he played on uh, Rebels and playing, uh, d- uh, you know, did the voice there, now playing the full character. Obviously, what's cool about him is he's also played Berg on The Mandalorian, that uh, the episode where they go in to break someone out of the prison, episode six, I think it was. Uh, with Miggs, and he's part of Miggs's crew, and um, here he is again. Love seeing some more Clancy Brown. Always a good time. Never, never mad about it. Also, another thing I wanted to point out that I really loved about these first two episodes is I really love the score. Yeah. Um, it's uh, I think it's Kevin Kiner, Kevin Keener. I don't know, but he's he did uh, the score for Clone Wars and Rebels, and I, I really, really like the score on this show. It's got that sort of like orchestral John Williams feel to it, but um, it, it sounds a little fresh and a little different. And I, I'm, I'm really into it. Honestly, just all of the music on Star Wars live action is just knocking it out of the park. Ludwig Göransson on Mandalorian, Nicholas Bratel on Andor. I mean, we, we just, we've gotten some really, really good music stuff. And so I'm, I'm glad to see Ahsoka continuing that tradition. Totally agree. thought the music totally played. I thought it was great. I also liked sort of, they explore this on the Mandalorian in deeper detail, but like kind of the, the, the thought of like former Imperials now working for the new Republic. Yeah. Um, and sort of here that obviously played a big part with Peter Jacobson uh, playing Wynn Weaver, uh, who's working with some of the other people in this factory uh, secretly for, you know, Morgan Elsbeth. So just found like, that's an interesting angle. That's sort of a, a way to discuss like what happens when like power changes hands, but you have all sort of these people in mid levels and, 
who's staying loyal to the call, the previous calls, and who was just working for a paycheck. I just find that sort of interesting. So cool to explore. Yeah, I thought that was a really interesting idea. And okay, my final thought before we wrap up is we got to talk about, and this is again very on brand for me. We got to talk about the Lothcat. Oh, here we go. It's so good. I didn't know it was. I mean, we've seen them before in the Mandalorian, but. Oh, I Sabine's Lothcat is just I'm obsessed with him. And I'm curious whether if if you also have a cat and you watched this, did your cats react to the Lothcat at all? Because my cats were when every time it chirped or meowed, my cats were like, What is that? And they were like watching my screen and being like, What 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 is that? So I'm very curious whether, you know, whether you, Dalton, or anybody listening at home, if you have cats, if your cats also freaked out whenever it was on the screen. So I you know, taking it behind the curtain, uh, Devin and I got advanced copies to watch of this as media, many media members did because we're fancy. So <laughs> I watched on my laptop originally with my earbuds. So uh, so what I need to do is now go back and watch it, you know, full blast on the TV. We have I have three cats, as you know, so I'll see how they react um, to the noise of, 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 the, of the cat. But I don't, I don't know if we're, how much we're going to see in the show. I mean, they've left Lethal. Like, maybe they'll go back at the end. I mean, listen, Rebels kept going off and on Lethal all the time. So we easily could go back. But I just – I don't know how much we're going to be there for the rest of the show, right? I know. I think we we probably are, are done with that. But, I mean, I – I'm obsessed with him. I want an animatronic one. I want a plushie. I want a, like, look, I'm I'm gonna spend too much of my paycheck on Shop Disney. I sound like Lauren Morgan, but I look, I'm a sucker for a cat. We we know I, this. I know. I know. Yeah. You and me both. All right. So let me ask you the question then. Moving forward, who are we gonna s- see or hear from first? Anakin, Zeb. Or Mon Mothma, who we know at least shows up in a hologram at some point. She's in the trailer. Who's going to be first? Yep. I think Mon Mothma. Yeah, I, I feel like so Mon too. Mothma shows up at like at the beginning of a mission to sort yeah, right. of like <laughs> spell things out for everybody. Totally. Um, I think we're probably going to see Zeb at some point. Um, and Anakin, I think, is going to be saved for later. I think so, too. I agree. I think so. I agree. Um, it, w- it might be a flashback. Yeah. It might be yeah. set in present day. I don't know. But I, I think it's going to be – that's a that's one you hold kind of close to your, your chest I a mean, little it's, bit. It's either flashback, force ghost, or some sort of like in a temple you know, vision situation. Yeah, right? some like sort that. of vision quest something. Right. I, I don't I don't quite know. Um but yeah, I, I'm I'm very curious to to see kind of in what um, regard kind of he shows up or in what context he shows up. Um, we'll see. All right. Well, before we wrap up on a circle, let's bring Sammy back in. Let's see if we have a phone number to give out yet, uh, where you all can can call in, leave a, a message, tell us your thoughts on Hera's contact lenses, <laughs> or uh, you know Sabine getting stabbed in the chest. Did you like it or love it or loathe it? Uh, or anything else that you want to weigh in about what you saw in the premiere or what we had to say, uh, agree or disagree. Sammy, do we have a number? Okay. So I asked Sammy. So Sammy, I guess, has all of a sudden gotten like shy on us, Devin, or something. I'm not sure what's <laughs> – I'm not sure. They're telling us right now that the setting is not on for them to be recorded. I don't buy it for a second. Uh, for some reason, gone Mike shy. But uh, Sammy did say we do have a number. It's a temporary number. So I guess like write this in pencil, not pen. But listen, <laughs> call us right now. Tell us what you thought of Ahsoka. We want to hear your thoughts and we'll play them on the air. 
Uh, here's the number, 657-799-1566. Once again, that's 657 799 one five six six. I'm not going to repeat it a third time, but you can like hit the rewind 10 second button and you can get it. Uh, but tell us what you thought. Uh, tell us if you agree or disagree with us. Cause we, we, you know, like star Wars, it's what, what I love about Star Wars. It's so funny, Devin. I get, I don't understand why people, let's <laughs> say, I don't understand why people get mad at other people's opinions. I get mad at Lauren's opinions all the time. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so mad about everyone else's know, opinions. Totally. hundred percent. I do. But at the same time, what I will say I love about star Wars is that we can all have different opinions. And one, what one person thinks another person can take a total 180 on it and, and present a, a, some, sometimes a compelling argument as to why. So, so let us know what you thought of it. Uh, 657-799-1566. I lied. I gave the number out a third time. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, we're going to shift gears a little bit. We have an exclusive audio excerpt from the new Star Wars short story collection, A Certain Point of View, Return of the Jedi. The excerpt comes from the story Trooper Trouble by Laura Paul, which features journal entries from Stormtrooper TK-423 being read by none other than Park and Recreation's Adam Scott. And it is coming up right after this quick break. TK-423 Log DS-2, Entry 11. There is still no calf in the cafeteria. One would think this elementary, since it is impossible to spell one without the other. When I mention that this may be due to lack of planning on the part of the Empire to the unkind worker behind the counter, TK-293 told me to shut up, because we will get into trouble, and troopers who get into trouble get sent through the airlock, which explains the lack of personnel the officers are constantly complaining about. I don't want to point fingers, but perhaps the solution for the we-need-more-men problem would be not to throw all available men through the airlock once they complain there's no calf. TK-423 Log, DS-2, Entry 12 Locked inside the refresher on our floor, no doubt the diligent work of R2-Q9, hammered on the door until someone opened it for me, all while hearing it malignantly beep on the other side. TK-423 Log DS-2, Entry 15 Not only has the calf not arrived, although promises were made, excuses were given, the shipments aren't what they were in the early Empire days, the ISB has prioritized their own office's supply first, etc., etc., but the wages are still late. More promises were made and further excuses were given, the ISB has been prioritized over other workforces, etc., etc. TK-848 was none too happy when discussing this later in the evening in our quarters, saying ships had been set on fire for much less on his home planet. According to his words, we signed up to be here, but there were conditions, and these conditions aren't being met, which quickly jumped to, we are being exploited. And then to I've been talking to other troopers about forming a un... which was interrupted by TK-293 telling him that the commanding officers don't like the U-word. I was deeply confused and expressed this by telling them I could not see how any Ugnots could relate to our situation. 
The conversation ended abruptly when TK-534 told all of us that TK-848 was an agitator and that we'd all be getting a considerable scolding if we didn't stop all this ugnot talk at once. TK-423 Log DS-2 Entry 16 Never mind all that, today Lord Vader showed up. So instead of us getting a considerable scolding, it was Moff Jurgerod's turn. Other troopers had warned us, TK-848 actually, who apparently knows everybody and everybody's business, of Vader's reputation, but said he never bothers with stormtroopers and only keeps his threats to important commanding officers. Now that's class solidarity said TK-848 after Moff Jurgerod had made the usual we-need-more-men speech, which I had on my card claims lack of workers for the betting pool. And then Vader mentioned the Emperor, which TK-293 had on his card, name-dropping. All in all, we got to be the audience for one of Vader's famous threats, which is a real treat if you're not on the receiving end of it. Fortunately, we did not witness a less appealing Vader management method, the chokehold, which makes all officers unhappy and scared and thus more prone to screaming at the lower chain of command, i.e. us. Moff Jurgerod affirmed we'd be back on schedule, which apparently means we'll have longer shifts of waiting around and pacing corridors. Most important, we now have standing there for the Emperor's arrival to look forward to. It will require a lot of stormtrooper units, which means the betting pool is larger for how many will pass out from dehydration. TK-423 log, DS-2, entry 17. (sighs) Still no calf. Thanks so much for hanging out with us here on the Dagobah Dispatch. If you have just 30 seconds, please follow, rate, and review the podcast. We'd really appreciate it, and we'll even give you a shout-out right here on the pod. You can connect with us on social media by following Entertainment Weekly on all socials. It's at EW on Twitter and at Entertainment Weekly everywhere else. You can also tag and follow us directly using at Dalton Ross and at Devin Kogan. Thanks so much, everyone. We'll do it all over again next week. This episode of Dagobah Dispatch Podcast is hosted and produced by Dalton Ross and Devin Kogan. Produced and edited by Sammy Junio. Executive produced by Chanel Johnson. Full episode transcripts are available at EW.com. Thanks for listening and may the force be with you.